Welcome to the Evolution Exchange podcast, a podcast platform to share interesting conversations from the most successful leaders within the Stockholm tech community. My name is Sophie Gould and I'm your host for today. Today I'm joined by an amazing panel to discuss how to recruit for diversity and inclusion. Now this is a topic that's so relevant at the moment and it's something that myself personally I, I face a lot with working with tech companies who are looking to recruit tech freelancers. Um, diversity and inclusion is always something that's up there on a wants list. So before we delve deeper into this topic let's work our way around the room with some introductions. So we'll go what who you are, what you are passionate about and also what you're doing at the moment. Now, Leo, if you want to take us away. Definitely. So my name is Leonam or Leo and I am currently a talent partner at Hedvig. Hedvig is an insured tech uh, and we're growing quite a lot. We started in Sweden and now we're growing around Europe. Things that I'm pretty passionate about are probably in regards people and culture. So I'm very excited about traveling, about food, about art, and about how we as people are changing. And uh, yeah, a lot of what I do every day is to actually talk about how do we put diversity and inclusion into the subject of the business, how we can get people to get awesome opportunities, and how we can make sure that teams can grow in a sustainable fashion. Nice, thank you, Leo. I think it's such a, a good participant to have on this podcast then. And Eleanor, welcome to you. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you for, for having us. I think this will be a super interesting discussion um, that we're going to have today. So my name is Eleanor. I work as an Agile Development Manager at Cambi in Stockholm. I've been in the tech industry for, uh, well, as long as I can remember. Uh, and um, yeah, it's... Uh, um, and I'm co passionate about coaching people. I love to see them grow. Um, on a more personal level, I really do like traveling and experience new places. And uh, yeah, uh, from time to time when when time permits, I like really like to sew clothes and other things for the house. Oh, nice. I know we've got some, some big travelers on the panel as well. <laughs> and I think it's been... Um, it's been crazy the past couple of years not being able to travel, hasn't it? So now it's almost even better when you do get the opportunity. Yeah, definitely. I'm so looking forward to it. For <laughs> on a personal level, I think it's been a quite good timing since I have small kids, so I can't really travel that uh, well right now. So if if a pandemic have to uh, happened, now uh, must be a good time as any. Yeah, definitely. That's a good way of looking at it. It keeps you positive. <laughs> yeah, trying to find the silver lining of being in an pandemic for almost two years soon. Oh, yeah, definitely. Nice. Thank you, Eleanor. And Naomi, we'll come over to you. Hi, how are you? Um, my name is Naomi Freeman. I've been working as a CTO at a Norwegian company this year that was traditional teaching and has you know, pivoted towards ed tech during the pandemic. But I'm also a senior leadership fellow at Women Who Code and will be uh, starting as a board advisor there on their tech committee soon, which is super exciting. Women Who Code's all about, you know, inspiring women to excel in technology. And so, you know, especially through the fellowship, I kind of live and breathe this uh, 
how do we make diversity function like concretely how do we do that um i am canadian even though i'm here in norway spent some time living in ireland and for fun during the pandemic i picked up my nephew's pastels like children's set of pastels and then we eventually you know upgraded me to some more expensive pastels that we got shipped in from sweden and now i'm making terrible halloween pastel paintings you know whatever you call a pastel painting um so that's what i'm doing for fun to kind of disconnect you know get a step back from the computer and yeah it's, it's they're terrible little icon drawings kind of but the background's all smushy pastels and it brings me extraordinary joy so thank you pandemic for finding me a hobby <laughs> yeah definitely another another looking at the silver lining and, and putting a positive spin on it uh, it sounds like fun though it sounds like you enjoy it a lot as well yeah it's been great and a whole bunch of my friends received them in the mail like during the first six months of the pandemic um but you know you just put it in the mail and you send it away so you know i got lots of messages back being like oh thank you but you never get to see that actual reaction on their face so i don't know how they're actually landing <laughs> but i enjoyed it and it's good to share the love that way <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Let, let's hope they're, they're receiving it just as well. <laughs> oh, but thank you all. Um, now that we've established a bit of a context, let's definitely just move on to the topic in focus. Um, I think, as, as mentioned, we're all here because we've got an interest in the topic of diversity and inclusion, and we've all brought a number of different questions or subtopics to cover. So let's just work around the room. Um, what I'll ask is if each of you pose your kind of topic or sub question and any reasons behind it, and then we'll just kind of open it up to the floor and, and get the conversation flowing. So Leo, let's start with you um, and yours. Like you mentioned in the intro, I think a lot of what you do is kind of having the conversations about diversity and, and bringing that into the business. Um, so yeah, tell us a little bit more about that. Definitely. Thank you, Sophie. Um, maybe I can start with two perspectives, right? Like one is the grounds of hiring. So myself, as someone who is doing a lot of talent acquisition, which is basically making sure that people around me feel safe to be the best versions of themselves in the process. And we're trying to be fair uh, into the best people we can have in the organization. I usually talk about the fact that we should try to always make sure that we look at readiness and potential. So like how ready our candidates for, uh, is for one particular position at the time and what is their potential in terms of uh, where we are as a business or where we are as a culture and so on. So that's just the first thing that I, I usually like to talk about when I talk about this topic, right, of this podcast about hiring. Then secondly, I just want to bring my pennies on diversity, right? So firstly, and I usually tell this and I was telling uh, Sophie and the rest of the team around before that I don't come from the academia. Uh, a lot of what I'm going to say is just my basic personal opinions or bias as well. But I understand that diversity and inclusion in some perspective or a better word would be like a belonging sense. It is uh, to make sure that all organizations create inclusive spaces that people can thrive and that we respect and enhance our differences. So it's not only about making sure that we maybe have more women in technology or maybe we do have more color in some rooms, which it is that, 
but it's also that when we do, we respect, we value those voices and we enhance and amplify those voices, both from an organizational sake, right? So people can feel safe and we can have, um, you know, diverse and interesting culture that just has different perspectives and innovation will I'm sorry to say, that's my bias, only come from different diverse brains and experiences, but also from the business sides of things, right? So we know that in a rapid changing worlds and complex that we live right now, we need to keep innovating. So that innovation will only come essentially on its core of the best assets of any organization has, which is their people. So that's sort of my first pen is when I start to talking about uh, diversity, inclusivity, belonging, and recruiting into the business side for a lot of people, uh, especially when it's the first time that they're hiring their careers, or in our case, we're only 100 people, so we're just starting, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I love that. Love that idea. Um, Eleanor, Naomi, anything to kind of comment on there? Yeah, but I, I totally agree with you uh, there, Leo, that I mean, we innovation definitely, uh, I mean, you need to have a diverse team to to really spark innovation. Uh, and I think not only having like the diverse team, but also making sure that that diverse team feels included and secure enough to make uh, your voice heard. And I think that's why it's so important with both both aspects of it to make sure that you get the diverse pool of, of people in, uh, but also to make sure that you can retain that talent by making sure they feel included. And definitely, I mean, that's that's I mean, that's why we're here today to discuss this. Right. And uh, I, I, <clears throat> I personally feel like. The biggest challenge is to kind of find the diverse pool of people uh, and to actually get them get them in the door. Um, but that's my personal opinion to it. But yeah, Naomi, do you have anything you want to add to it? Oh, we only have so much time today. But um, <laughs> one thing one thing I will say is that um, you know Leo's saying that he doesn't come at it from an academic perspective. And I came at it first from community organizing, then moving into a workplace, and then taking the academic stuff afterwards and kind of piecing it together. So I've been taking this executive master's at BI Business School here in Norway. And a module, a diploma I just took was around sustainable people management. And it's the idea that there, there are three pillars in sustainability. And it's not just, you know, hey, these pants are made of bamboo. It's not just the climate part. It's also, you know, the other two pieces in terms of uh, profit and people, right? People, planet, profit. And so the people piece here, when I, when I hear you both talking, well, at least with what Eleanor was saying in terms of finding a diverse pool, it's kind of this more traditional mindset, much like we did corporate social responsibility in the 80s of either or. Either we can have revenue or we can have purpose and impact. And as we're moving into this new model um, where we're looking at sustainability across everything, we're looking to move into this kind of both and mindset. And so, you know, in a, a traditional organization, if we think about big manufacturing, then it's not just how can we, you know, give money to a community versus, you know, make money. It's how can we get money going through a community through the activities of what our business is doing and then how do we bring that mindset also to you know people management 
And so when we're talking about, oh, it's hard to find a diverse pool, I think it's, you know, there's a lot of factors that have made that kind of mindset come together. Um, and I think instead we need to, you know, be looking at new ways to approach that question and to create that belonging and that inclusion uh, and bringing people into the room. Um, which isn't to say anything about anyone's companies here, just the general corporate mindset of, uh, you know, this people piece as an add-on when really it's like the core, the core ingredient. And, you know, how do we shift the mindset that way? Um, so I guess that's one of my kind of questions. I definitely, I mean, that sounds super interesting, uh, uh, of course there, uh, Naomi. Um, but yeah, definitely uh, having like the both uh, people and, and, and profit and community, I mean, all in, all in one, it, it is where everyone, I guess, want to go. Uh, so I guess the question is, how, how do we get there? Uh, because uh, as you said, we are not really there at the moment uh, for or at least a lot of our, a lot of companies. Definitely. I think I was discussing with a friend of mine, uh, shout out, uh, earlier today about this topic. It's around, you know, people, they said the sentence, right? Like, it's hard to find diverse talents, right? The question is, what is your talent strategy? And what is your diversity principles? And I feel like some people are a bit scared of asking those questions sometimes because... I guess different reasons and since it's something quite new for I guess a lot of us into the tech industry right now I'm assuming that's a, a bigger new topic the last couple of years and I think that the beauty of like how you make that happen it is that that should be centering that should be owning it in the center of the discussions right so yes I'm expecting your leadership team I'm expecting your VP people or your VP HR to be driving these conversations around the leadership team into what do we believe and stand for when we think about talents, when we think about culture, and then what is our investments into going ahead and finding people from all types of backgrounds or maybe specific niches that we think that is going to help us to develop either or as a business and or as a company, right, as an organization. So if yes, you want to find more women to code, which is, I guess, a lot of us kind of agree that we should. And so we feel more safe, um, then we need to invest it, right? We need to go ahead and find different creative ways to, I guess, either from going to school, to creating content, to promoting events, to promoting people internally, to doing the homework internally and externally at the same time. So you can actually create an ecosystem that women feel then safe and excited of applying to join a team that is still going to be 75 or 70 percent male dominant right so there's that investment perspective that i'm expecting you mr cfo who's listening to this or miss cfo excuse me for that uh to be aware of yes as a talent manager i will uh, challenge how we're doing business and budgeting into the talent perspective for 2022 right now for example and saying what are we actually investing to to attract and engage more people uh, if that makes sense i don't know if you agree with me yeah um i completely agree with that and i would also say we can take it one step further you're talking a lot about the strategy and so we get we're in a place where there's a good bunch of awareness okay we're gonna think about dei we're gonna go out and we're gonna do something we're gonna put some money 
yeah, but what do you mean? And so that's something you were kind of talking about. Like, great, let's get women in the room. Which women? Women who are, you know, older, women of color, women with non-traditional backgrounds. Like, what kind of women do we want? <laughs> um, and maybe that sounds too specific, but we've seen from different companies, for example, returnships, wherein, you know, they've taken that break to um, have kids, and then there's a re-onboarding kind of program through certain companies where they can upskill, where they can get back into the flow of all these, you know, processes and stuff and join together as a community and be able to move forward. And so that's a very particular slice. So you can choose that as one target for one year and then maybe choose something else another year. But I think getting kind of specific there is helpful um, in creating what we want to see. Yeah, definitely. I think you've touched on um, some really, really crucial points there and also some deep points. It's it's kind of one of those things that a lot of the diversity and, and inclusive talks or topics, everyone talks about it, but doesn't actually do anything. Um, and I think that's kind of, of really stands out from what you're saying, Leo, is, is let's talk about how to do it and what we're doing, um, which is, is so important. And then Eleanor will will come to you. Um, it's quite similar on the on the lines of hiring for diversity, but how to actually attract these kind of profiles and leave out any kind of bias from the process. Yeah, I think I mean for me as a manager, I do do quite a bit of hiring, um, it, and it is a bit competitive scene. So of course, it is quite hard. Uh, and um, I mean, lately, as I mean, um, as we've mentioned a couple of times today, the the diversity and inclusion uh, is quite a hot topic, and of course, especially for me as well. But and for for the company I work for, and so we try to work a lot about with it, and definitely apart uh, from the recruitment process. And um, one, th so this summer I actually had some more time to actually do this a little bit more thoroughly. So I started kind of working with uh, the job ads because uh, that's kind of a, a quite big part of uh, of hiring. Uh, it's where you describe what uh, what the role is, what the company is, and all of that. And it, there was so much information to be found on on actually how to do it better uh, and I was su super kind of excited uh, about that topic and uh, so I kind of wanted to share a little bit what I found during during that time and um, I think that me and some colleagues we were working together on this and we kind of rewrote the entire job ad. we kind of just threw the old one out the door which was usually what you did you copy pasted it from a template and just added a few buzzwords that was kind of what you think you needed for the new role but so yeah we just threw it out the window and just kind of start re reading up on what to do uh how to do it and i think that the, the few of the uh points uh that we could find in in when when reading up on it i, I kind of just wanted to highlight um so um uh, one is kind of to avoid the gender coded words like rockstar ninja dominant a lot of those things that still is quite common in different uh, job ads and um, we could uh, fortunately we didn't find that many in our job ads but there were a few and 
but the one point that we actually work the most with is the kind of the must-haves. Uh, when you look at kind of a lot of job ads, you see that they have like bullet after bullet after bullet of things that you should be you should be doing. And as research show that especially women, um, they apply for a job if they have if they match 100% of the qualities. And it can be quite hard to distinguish if if it's a must have or nice to have quality when you have like this long list of bullets. Um, so what we did was we removed like a lot of bullets um, from it. Uh, we ended up with zero bullets. We just did everything in text instead. Um, and yeah, I think uh, it did quite a big difference on how the look and feel of the kind of job ad. It just felt like, yeah, you were reading up about how uh, how it is to work in this place. And just like we went for a funnel with like the company first, the team, and then what this what's in it for you kind of part. And yeah, even though I haven't found the perfect candidate yet for, for that role, but it really was a fun experience and I learned quite a lot from it. Um, and I think it's yeah, it's it's a good way of it was good experience for me to to kind of go on. But um, still, uh, one part that I'm struggling with a little bit is, of course, what a lot of people are struggling with uh, is the unconscious bias of it. Uh, and when you actually do get CVs in or you have interviews to kind of have what well, to know that's. So, well, how should you how should you look at a candidate, um, and what should you and shouldn't you do? Um, for me, it feels I'm starting to kind of question my questions about kind of this the the, the CV and everything. So, <laughs> sorry that didn't make full sense, but um, yeah, okay. Um, to kind of summarize a little bit. Uh, it is very hard to to find good candidates and not I'm not in any way saying that looking for a diverse pool actually makes it harder, but it's very interesting because it makes it different. You need to look at it from a different point of view. And for me, these are two things where I look at it from a different point of view and um, I wanted to kind of see what what the panel here has to say on 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 this topic and if there's any other ways that you can contribute to it or look at it. OK, that's something I'm really passionate about. Uh, so this was great, Eleanor. I yeah, I don't have the right answers, but I can just give you some thoughts that came to my head in terms of ideas. So. You know when, when we have to like get the job done so when we have to recruit someone new uh, if i look at this other perspective we are kind of essentially thinking of requirements right like we're thinking of like this is the kind of competences or skills or experience you know and that depending on your organization maybe you have some more capabilities into how do you assess and how do you attract um i always reverse that order a little bit so it's like when you are looking at the success of a team or the success of a product like the success of the business right when you are putting that first and then thinking of who are the humans you have right now then you can think of what's your overall talent strategy for your organization in the next six months because if you're planning for more than six months uh, good luck with that 
my humble opinion. And in the next six months, maybe you need, let's say, two front-end developers, right? And you, right now you have eight people in that team. And then there is, I think, a couple of things that can help out with the unconscious bias of that. If I look at the two elements to me, which is one is around attraction and the one is around assessment. So I'll start with assessment because there's more science with that. In assessment, there's a couple of different technologies right now that can send who cares about your CV, especially in technology, right? Sorry, that's kind of over. Sorry for that. So as you said, right, like maybe we can send an assessment game or assessment test uh, more traditionally that can try to get understand how people are ready and what is their potential for joining an organization. Then, of course, later on, maybe like a code case or like another, you know, interview or like another meeting about something. Then if I look at the attraction side, then it's around investments. So it's a little bit of what Naomi kind of also referred to. Okay, we want to bring more women. Then that is our target group. But then we need to maybe specify, like, do we want someone from a certain background, from a certain other perspective that can join us? Or maybe do we want just, if it's not diversity in gender, but maybe it's diversity in age. Like, do we want to bring someone who is a bit older or who is someone who's a bit younger? Because that will equalize some of the team dynamics and or budget decisions in terms of how much money you can pay. And I think then if I need to recruit 21-year-olds, um, I need to go where the 21 year olds are right so yes the job ad it's kind of the foundations of that but then it's our people hanging out on snapchat that i guess maybe the four of us here are not then we need to like find the ways to assess that right uh, and i think it's so much so i spend full time working with that right it's so much to think that i guess uh, eleanor as you said i still need to close the position right because the business needs someone to code so it's 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 a complexity level that I, I just want to say uh, for the everyone listening that it requires partnership. So partnerships between your marketing team and your development team that people can get the best of each other so we can actually solve that problem because it's a it's a core problem for an organization when they're not being truly diverse or inclusive, right? Yeah, for sure. And I think the other thing that you're getting at there too is like, if you want something you've never had, you've got to do stuff you've never done. And that can be, for example, if we're trying to get, you know, older folks, are we going through traditional recruitment agencies? Are we, you know, making sure things are in Microsoft format instead of being in these weird Google Docs that people don't know how to access? Like, how is it that we are approaching these things to make people comfortable, one, on intake, so they feel like this is my kind of place. Wow, I enjoyed that experience. Um, which might not look the same as, you know, our hip 21-year-old tech intake does. But two, once you're inside the company, you know, how are those things being reflected out? And I think both of you have kind of touched on that a bit. But um, it's like the difference between, you know, inbound and outbound marketing. Are you creating the kind of workplace with the kind of um, components that will naturally attract the kind of folks that you want? So, you know, for me, one thing I'm always trying to introduce in these DEI conversations, because people will be like, that costs money. It costs money and it costs time to implement that. What are you doing? You can't just, you can't just throw out the recruitment system. I'm like, no, 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 we're just trying to add. Um, we're trying to add pieces here because yeah, you can't change the core of things, but you can add, uh, which will reshape it. But it can look like, for example, 
You know, one example I had in my company recently is creating a split shift, not for a customer service position, just for a position that was salaried, that was, you know, kind of bridging tech and business. And the reason we had that split shift is because they're actually re-educating. This person is re-educating. Um, so they're an adult learner, but they are taking on new university education. And the way their classes sit um, for four or five weeks, uh, they have a morning class and for four or five weeks, they have an afternoon class. And But when we don't just make an exception for that person, we take that experience and we put it into a policy and say, hey, here's how you can have a split shift, um, not make a lot of bureaucracy around it. Then we end up not just serving one kind of person, we end up serving other kinds of people. And this this is a lens we bring in tech when we're building like user products to think about, for example, um, when we're looking at accessibility, you know, we have disability that's long-term, we have temporary disability, and then, you know, we have other uh, not disabilities that might require the same accommodation. So if you think about someone who does not have an arm, someone who has a cast and someone who's carrying a baby, when we're making a hardware product, they're going to require the same kinds of accommodation. Now, if we take that mindset and bring it into people stuff inside of organizations, we can think, well, who else does a, a split shift serve? It might serve moms, right, who have to do a school drop off. It might serve people who are re-educating, um, but it might also serve folks who are taking care of aging parents. And it's not really our place to know why. It's our place to be the kind of environment that allows for people to take care of the things they need to take care of as adults and still contribute in a good way to our company because we've seen something in them that is a value add to the culture, to the company, to the skill set. And we really should be working in partnership with folks, right? At least, you know, in my understanding of these kind of newer models, why wouldn't you want to work in partnership with folks? Um, so yeah, there's lots of different ways that you can think about things like uh, split shift accommodation and not making it a hassle for people just like letting it be a thing, put it out there and then see who comes and is interested in that kind of way of working. Yeah, I, I love that idea. I think um, it resonates with me quite a lot because it should almost be, it shouldn't be you have to ask for something different or you have to kind of prove that you need to do this. It should be, well, yeah, if it works, then let's just do it. Um, and I think something I picked up on um, from from your conversation there, Eleanor, was that it's so easy to overlook little things like a job ad and the bullet points and the kind of words, but they do actually make a difference. And then coupling that with, with the complexity of recruiting, like you said, Leo, 21 year olds compared to 30, 40, they're so, so different and they're so, such, a complex, so, such a complex issue. Um, but yeah, I think I think the topic of recruiting for diversity definitely isn't a, an easy one. But no, that that's brilliant, guys. And I know you just touched on it there, Naomi. Um, kind of your your question was more on um, building the processes and the perks to encourage initiatives, um, like you mentioned with the either arm and a cast, one arm. Um, tell us a little bit more. Let's dig a bit deeper into that because I think it's quite an interesting concept. Um, yeah, tell us a little bit more on that. Yeah, and I'd love I'd love to get um, 
Leo and Eleanor's thoughts on, you know, how you make that go. Because, you know, for me, I end up, you know, I'm a lead on a team. I'm a department head. I'm whatever. And uh, then I just elbow my way through leadership and be like, hey, how about we have a chat, right? Which is a very different place to be in than being, you know, actually in the recruitment side of things or, you know, working on those parts. Um, so maybe if we can just open it both to them first with their thoughts, that would be helpful. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so, I mean, as is, I am not in, in that kind of position that you're in, Naomi, so uh, me elbowing my way through, it kind of doesn't make as much noise, I would say. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, I think, I mean, just starting the conversation, just actually talking about it, just trying to make people more and more aware and and in all parts of the organization, all levels of the organization. And I think, I mean, for that, that is the most part important thing to just actually start uh, and, and talk and talk and talk. Uh, and then, I mean, trying to to do what both of you have both of you have said uh, today to kind of put it into action. Actually, making sure that you do the investment of it, um, which is a bit of a transition, I would say, from going from talking to it, because yeah, it's a it's a hot topic, and a lot of companies are talking about it. But actually, doing the investment and putting it into writing, like yeah, this is what we want. This is what we want to do. Uh, I think uh, would probably help. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. I hope the listeners and my friends don't look at me and say like, "Oh no, you're only talking about it and not doing something," you know. Um, but I, the, there was maybe two or th three things that came to my hand. Like, firstly, it can come from the business. Do you know, it's not uh, you, Naomi, that should be the one who is driving the diversity agenda, right? It shouldn't be the person that is in a minority group that, or someone who is just very passionate about something. I think that the most successful stories that I've seen and heard in the last years have come from business needs and or business impact like the outcome of diversity right or of belonging if that's a better even word so it's like how accessible is your brand how accessible is your product like if you're outgrowing to new markets if you want to upscale your teams if you want to grow for as we know in the cities that we are in the nordics uh, companies are growing so much so we need to be creative in terms of finding people right so that that's business needs then for business needs to work, we have business owners. So we have in any organization, we have people who decide which KPIs, like what do we measure, what is success for us. And those people, we need to put them in rooms. And then me or any one of us or anyone in the organization can drive conversations and maybe inspire or shape people into understanding, if I may, their talent strategy, their diversity strategy, and even their actions, right? Coming to what Eleanor was saying. Um, that's one perspective. The second perspective, it can come from the folks, like from the teams. So something even better that I'm learning uh, at Hedvig and from the last 10 years of my career, it's that sometimes we as leaders or shapers or drivers uh, of some sort of organizational perspective, 
we also have our bias, right? So like I'm very passionate about certain diversity groups and in diversity in general. But sometimes it's not the right time. Sometimes amplifying voices is not the right space, right? Because if you do not have a lot of women in their your second level of leadership positions, does it really help if you have a lot of women in the first grounds? Will they feel safer? But if people are, and I hope they were all collecting data and have driving conversations from insights from the teams, like from our employees, from, from the, you know, the ground up, um, you will then, if people are feeling more unengaged or that they're not learning or that they're not excited anymore, do you know, then it's good times for us to have data to then compare, then compare into certain KPIs, right? Which could be different things for different organizations. So it could be genders, it could be nationalities, it could be other types of things that people think it's important. For some people, they may not think it's important. But if 10 people in one business union is saying that they need more representation, they need to feel safer, or they just say, I need more, I need people to speak more English around me, then you can act on those data, right? And then you can actually create business cases, or as you said, Naomi, I guess, um, sorry if I'm babbling, uh, creating tools and processes or like um, standards into how to begin conversations. And coming to what Eleanor said, it's just starting, like acting a little bit, like just talking about it in that sake, it feels better than ignoring. And if you are creating content on LinkedIn right now, I'm looking at your startups, and not doing something around it, then you're not really living out of your brand, right? And that will not make me want to work with you. So yeah, walking the talk, it's kind of an important deal and we just have to start. Yeah, I agree. Um, tying it into KPIs for sure, there's a lot more success there in terms of this is a core business need. And we're thinking about startups, um, especially in Europe. Uh, there's a lot more drive now with the different EU directives to move into non-financial disclosures, even for smaller companies. And, you know, we already have bigger companies and platforms, especially the oil companies actually creating sustainability reports. But, you know, if you already have that data, you can grab a framework like the ESGs, the UN SDGs, PRI, I don't know, there's all these frameworks. You can grab that as a scaffold and be like, hey, we have some numbers, we're going to put it in this, this framework of sustainability and try and, you know, then benchmark ourselves against other things that are happening. Because at the end of the day, you know, sustainability doesn't happen in a silo, like in terms of like one company, not for climate change and not for this kind of thing either. It's an ecosystem. So you got to be benchmarking and working with other companies and against, you know, former standards and it's not just a one person show for sure. Yeah, definitely. I think this is one of the reasons I, I started these kind of talks is because there's so many different ideas and there's so many different challenges, but ultimately everyone's going through the same thing or at the core of it, same, same kind of, like I said, challenges and problems and, and will benefit from each other's ideas. Um, I think something that was mentioned on, on one of my other podcasts was about kind of having a sense of belonging and understanding and there was a team of maybe 10 people and 
a few of them were Swedish, a few of them only spoke English. And what the manager kind of implemented into that team was, okay, we're going to have all of our diaries in English. So everyone in the team can kind of read them and see what's going on, whether it be personal, whether it be work. Um, And I think it really stands out that feeling like you're on a team where you belong and where you're, you're understood and respected is kind of one of the keys. But actually doing that and putting it into practice can be really, really difficult. Um, I think that you've hit the nail on the head there. It's not just talking the talk. It definitely is walking the walk as well. But yeah, as we kind of conclude or come to the end, I mean, has anyone got anything else they wanted to add in on on the topic of recruiting for diversity and inclusion? I just want to add one quick note on what you were just talking about, Sophie. It's it's definitely it's um it's also a mindset shift. So instead of saying who here doesn't speak Norwegian, then we ask a question like what language do you speak? Mm. So moving the default and just opening the space is also really important. Um, but I can hand it off to someone else to talk a bit more about recruitment. <laughs> um. I just want to comment one final thing on this and then I can jump into the recruiting. But I just, I, I something that you said, Sophie, which it kind of tackles back the last questions. It's a little bit about like making it simple, you know, small things sometimes make a huge difference, right? If your management team is speaking English all the time, even if you're all Scandinavians, as we know, a lot of our management teams in this region are locals. And that's something that we should all be tackling. Then if we're all feeling comfortable with the language and if you're sharing that people should speak English, for example, um, Go ahead. But I just wanted to bring the perspective uh, of asking the question. So a lot of the times when we talk about uh, diversity and inclusion in terms of hiring or in general is the question that I ask myself every day is how might I inspire people to do things differently? So kind of, I guess we've all mentioned a bit of that, right? So it's not that I want my organization to be diverse. That is the outcome of it. But my role as someone who is working with talents and who is someone passionate also with the world and with what 2021 is, is the responsibility of looking at people that are not in underprivileged communities or who are very passionate about their own ways of doing things from the last hundreds of years. That's all fine. Uh, How might we do this a bit differently? Like, how might we help out this issue? And then try to disconstruct from that, um, if that makes sense to you three. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think on on kind of a final final note, if you could give one top tip to to anyone, and I mean that this conversation's been filled with so many good ideas and thoughts, but if there's any any kind of concluding point or piece of advice you would give to someone um, tackling a number of of the kind of problems or issues we've mentioned here, um, what would it be? What would be the standout thing for you? Anyone? Does anyone want to take it? (laughs) I can start. Okay. Representation matters. 
So a lot of the times people, they believe that when we talk about diversity it becomes like an over politicized element or one person or those people are that passionate about something. Um, we are. We're all part of organizations, though, so we all have our responsibilities and the business outcomes we want to do. So the only thing I can actually do is to only look at my organization and not the political infrastructure like racism or sexism or like societal issues. Facebook, like it's not that. It is a bit of that, but what I can handle, it's my internal organization. And I just want to say for someone who has a non-traditional white uh, heterosexual male background, um, I am expecting more amplified voices. I am expecting your leadership organization and your middle leadership organization to be who they are. If you only decided to hire the most traditional heteronormativistic environments that you have been, fair. But then be aware of your privilege, right? And then try your best to ask if people are not in that privilege, what do we need? Don't look at me and give me a rainbow flag for the Lord of sake. Look at me and ask me what I'm trying to do, the beauty of the communities that I'm part of, and ask me good questions. So that's the two things that I would like to end my here with is representation for me matters, and not just for my own identity, but for all of the other identities of the people that I love around me. And uh, please, us who are in those minorities or people that are not, uh, it would be awesome if we just are humble enough to ask questions, say that sometimes we don't know to talk about certain things and be curious. So don't celebrate the Latinx month just doing a Taco Tuesday. Do the Taco Tuesdays because they're great. But then ask people, what does it mean to be a Hispanic and a Latino? Or like, why am I Brazilian and I'm a Latino or I'm not a Latino? Or those kind of things. And a lot of those answers are not simple and they're not on Wikipedia. And we all have different opinions and different experiences. The point with inclusivity and belonging is to respect the individual perspective and get the best of people instead of putting people in underprivileged positions as a lot of us have been. Nice, thank you, Lee. I love that. Um, I love how passionate you are as well. It really comes through. So I think Hedvig, are great to have you on the. They should be privileged to have you on the talent team doing some good things over there. <laughs> and then Eleanor, any any final comments from you? I think when it comes to kind of the hiring uh, or with the diversity and inclusion in mind, is to just start actually make progress, make make something different and just uh, try it step by step. You can always do better. And as Leo said, you don't have to solve the entire world. You kind of have to look in your organization and what it is that you can do. Um, so look at that, look at what you can do and try and do it. And if you fail, try again and just continue and improve because that's how I think we're going to make a difference. Yeah, the little changes definitely matter, don't they? Naomi? I would say for folks who are kind of new to this and they're like, you know, it's not your fault, but you're sitting there and you're like, I got to go into this interview. I want to make sure the standards are kept up in this company. Like, how do I, how do I do this? Right. I would say, even if it's within your team, like, of course, it's great if it comes from leadership, but I'm sure your company has some kind of set of 
values or could develop more some leadership mindsets. And then you always want to be thinking about value add. So of course you need someone who has a hard skill. And also if you say your leadership wheel has, you know, reflective, inclusive, strategic, I don't know, whatever you got on your leadership mindset wheel, and you have two of the three, go find someone who has the other one. And naturally you're going to end up finding different folks than the people who are there. So I would say kind of start with that kind of um, approach. The other thing I'll say is like from my side, when I'm training and coaching women to get into new kinds of jobs in tech, I'm always saying start with what you do have to offer, right? So it's not, hey, you know, I'm, I'm coming in. I haven't really learned any of this JavaScript React. I've been busy with my baby or whatever. No, 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 no. You just start at the beginning. I am an extraordinary organizer. I organized 500 weddings last year. Nobody's gift bag got lost. That might not seem relevant, but here's how it can help your company. I'm super excited to learn X with you. So that's the side I push. But on the other side, be open to those conversations. Instead of looking at things, you know, glass half empty, look at them glass half full. Um, combined with this kind of, you know, idea of where is your value add and be looking actively go and seek. I'm searching for strategic or inclusive. I'm searching for that kind of mindset from someone. Go and when you look for it, you'll start to find and see the activities people are putting forward that demonstrate that, that are going to build into your company. Hard skills are pretty replaceable. Um, good team fit and value add, you know, that kind of person isn't going to change in a huge way um, once you bring them in. They can grow and develop, but you'll have created a complementary situation. Um, and that's what you want to be doing. Yeah, I love that. That's such a good piece of advice. Um, and it's so true, the, the way people interact with each other, and, and we've said it multiple times, the sense of belonging, the sense of being safe, definitely um, outweighs a lot of the other points. So thank you all. I think we'll we'll leave it there as we're approaching the, the hour. Um, it's been great to have you all on. And if anyone listening would want to join a future topic, um, definitely let me know. Um, get involved in one of our upcoming podcasts and drop me a message or email me at sophie.gould at evolution-nordics.com. But yeah, finally, thank you to Leo, Eleanor and Naomi for this.